Hey, big boxers. Welcome to On the Shelf, a program that is dedicated to helping you get your products into a major big box retailer. Tim here with you, and we are in Las Vegas. That's right. We're at the ECRM show, the convenience ECRM show in Las Vegas, Nevada. And I am here today with Bill Carmody. Bill Carmody's back. Bill Carmody from TreyPoint is back talking about the six human needs and how that can relate to social media and how you can use the six human needs to make sure that you're attracting the right people through through social media. You're talking about the right things. You're actually hitting on what these people need instead of maybe what they want or what you think that they want. Once you trigger these human needs, you really have their attention. Bill's going to get into that with us. If you don't know about the six human needs, it's a Tony Robbins principle. So you can always find that with related uh, or with relation to Tony Robbins. We have a great show for you. Bill is all set up and ready. So let's get right into it. Hey, Bill, you're back. So glad to have you. Wow, glad to be here, Tim. Thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure. And uh, uh, just like the, the previous podcast, this is uh, face-to-face. So much more interesting, actually. On my last podcast, I even forgot that there was a mic there. And yeah. uh, we were just having a conversation. But this uh, uh, we can get a chance to spend some time with you. And um, uh, non-work-related really has been terrific to get to know you a little bit better. So you too. Um, really happy to do that. I know that we're going to talk... Um, um, about some human needs today, and we're going to try to tie that into social media. And when people are putting stuff out on the internet, are they, uh, I don't know, the word maybe uh, pinging those needs and getting people to engage that way? So I'm going to uh, leave that to you. But um, I know that uh, I was speaking through the window, and I know you were talking to Tony Robbins just minutes ago. The master was on your computer, and uh, thanks for not. Uh, you know, I know that I noticed that you didn't let me in to say hi to him. <laughs> yes, he's very. <laughs> I thought we were friends after uh, having a couple of drinks last night, but absolutely. <laughs> so, so, so tell us. So Tony Robbins is coming up with his second. Uh, what I'm going to I'm already going to declare it's going to be a bestseller. His last book, Money Master the Game, was a New York Times bestseller for seven months in a row. And the reason why is, is because he demystified investing. And for most people, if you've ever tried to do deal with the markets or whatever, most people get killed. He's one of the first people that basically sort of decodes by talking to the 50 smartest financial wizards of our dec- of our lifetime, right? Warren Buffett, right? Carl Icahn, everybody who's got different approaches to financial wealth. These are all billionaires, Paul Tudor Jones. He interviews them, and then he, he figures out the patterns. And he says, here's what the everyday person like you and me can do to basically uh, become wealthy. So this particular interview is on his new book called Unshakable. And it's, you can pre-order it now, unshakable.com. And when you do, they give you a whole bunch of free stuff, which is awesome. Wow. It comes out at the end of the month, February 28th. And uh, the thing about Unshakable is, is that he realized Money Master the Game, even though he sold a million copies, it's still daunting because it's 620 pages long. Right. So I have average, that. I own that book. Right. And did you read it cover to cover all the way through? <laughs> yeah. Is Tony Robbins listening? Yeah, exactly. Uh, of course I did. Well, so, and, and I did because I obviously reviewed it for his magazine and, and, uh, and whatnot. Plus, I'm a huge Tony fan. But most people, they get it gets overwhelming because it's a huge book. So this one, Unshakable, is less than 200 pages, right? So he gives you all the essence of Money Master the Game and even deals and summarizes and simplifies it even more. So he's got four core principles that he's like, if you want to retire rich, you got to do these four things, right? So he goes through all this stuff, and that was what that podcast was, and that's what I was going through. 
the reason I'm bringing that all up is because tonight at the ECRM event, I'm going to be talking about the six human needs. And that is essentially Tony Robbins' idea of every single person on this planet has six human needs. If you understand what they are, you can satisfy them. As a marketer, I've been taking those six human needs from Tony Robbins and apply them to impulse purchase decisions. And then on this podcast, I'll also talk about social media. So we'll, we'll tie all that stuff in together. Nice. Well, let me ask you a quick question. Yeah. I know that you've read Tony's book. I'm going to call him Tony. You yeah, know it. Go yeah. Ahead. We're buddies. Go right. Ahead. <laughs> um, I know you've read his book several times, right? Yes. Uh, is it something that, like, let's say you're uh, just getting into the market. Is yeah. it going to help you? Oh, absolutely. Here's the thing. What you don't know in the financial industry will kill you, right? So this idea of ignorance is bliss does not apply in the financial market. <laughs> let me just let me get just a few quick quick ones, right? Yeah, yeah. Three, give us some anecdotes here. 310,000 financial advisors in the U.S. Of those 310,000 financial advisors, only 35,000 are fiduciaries. A fiduciary is somebody who is required by law to put your needs above their own, right? So that's what he covered in Money Master the Game. In this book, he went one step further and said, unfortunately, of those 35,000 fiduciaries, only 5,000 are also not also brokers, which means these fiduciaries who are legally able, uh, have to basically put your needs in front of their own can also put on this other hat called broker and get kickbacks and commissions just like a non-fiduciary. And so there's this great loophole where they're saying, oh, yeah, I'm a fiduciary, but I'm going to sell you products that I get commissions on. It's right. like oh, it's so messed up. So my point is, is that understanding the fiduciary standard is an important key aspect. But here's the thing. That's probably the most complex thing we're going to talk about in that whole book. He's, he's got five very simple things. Number one. Tax yourself. Put yourself a wealth tax, right? 20% of your income, whatever you make, tax yourself first and pay yourself first. Why? Because if the government increased taxes, you had to pay an extra 20% on your business and your personal life, you'd scream, you'd yell, you'd say, this sucks, you'd do it. Right. And so that's exactly what he said. So then from there, investing, it's about diversification and understanding the principles of asymmetric risk and all that other stuff. But it's, he's, he makes this very simple. I, it's just it's hard to basically describe in a podcast. So we're going to skip off that today. I don't want to spend all that time. No, no, no. I don't want to. a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, yeah, I just wanted to know if, um, you know, a lot of, uh, uh, I think, people see Tony Robbins or people of that uh, – stature and say, look, whatever they put out in their book is way over my head. And uh, I already have to have like this kick, uh, really good portfolio. Yeah. or uh, and, and so they don't even buy it because they're thinking it's not going to be applicable to me. That's right. So, so what do they do instead? They do nothing. And here's the problem is that then basically they get close to retirement age and they start panicking. Right. right? Because basically the only thing they do, 75% of Americans in the United States have 401k plan. But if you ask those people how much they pay in fees, they're all going to say, oh, I don't pay fees. It's, it's part of my company's 401k plan. I pay nothing. So they don't even know. Of the people that think they know that they're paying fees, they couldn't tell you how much they pay. So here's the problem. The one vehicle that's supposed to help you retire, they don't even know how much they're paying in fees, and they don't know what they should be investing in. So that alone, and you just understand sort of what you should be thinking and what you should be asking, and even to your employer, like that's worth reading the book. It's simple, and anyone can implement it. I'm getting my kids, my 12-year-old and my 10-year-old, to read this book, and I'm going to share it with them. If they do it now as kids, they will be wealthier than I ever was just right. by putting these principles together. Uh, did, did you have your kids read Think and Grow Rich yet? Uh, no, not yet. <laughs> it's on the list. It's on I the list. This, I, think I have a list here. too for my uh, for my for my kids. I mean, I only have one kid, but yeah. all right. So the the human needs. Well, I yeah. Well, and I know that there are certain things that you can say to certain people 
to get them to pay attention. There's certain, I mean, people spend hundreds of thousands of dollars trying to figure out what's going to grab somebody's attention on a package or on a commercial. But you're saying it really comes down to six human needs. Six human needs. So here's here's the fundamental principle, and anybody worth their salt in marketing will, will tell you that this is true. People buy on emotion and backfill with logic. Before you buy any car, you have to first see yourself in that car, and your heart has to race. And you're like, <gasps> you know, when that happens, the salesperson knows they've got you, right? Because you have to see yourself in that vehicle and fall in love and emotionally bond with that product before you then look for the backfill and logic reasons to buy it. Like, oh, a better fuel economy, <laughs> miles per gallon, I'll save all this money on insurance, whatever, right? You will rationalize that purchase decision. This is true across the board. And so it doesn't matter whether we're talking about bubble gum or a car, right? And everything in between, there's an emotional piece that comes up in this. And so the question is, how do you get evoke that emotion? How do you evoke an emotion before somebody makes a purchase decision? And so Tony Robbins has come up with six human needs, and they are... The first one is uh, is, is um, consider the sorry. The first one is certainty, right? So basically, you have to be certain that you're going that you're going to have some particular outcome. So the first one is certainty. The second one's variety. The reason they, they sort of seem they're polar opposites is that if we only had certainty in our lives, our lives would be pretty boring, right? Right. But in the business, would you rather have? Uh, uncertainty or certainty, right? You want to know your clients are going to pay on time. That's the certainty you desire, right? At the same time in life, you know, you want a little variety in your life. You know, you want to be able to have things that are not boring and monotonous. So the first one's certainty. The second one is variety. The third is love and connection. You know, I want to feel a connection to humanity, to my peer group, you know, so something special, right? Um, and then from there, it's significance, right? I want to feel important. You know, make me feel special. This is like all the VIP clubs, you know, miles, you know, United Mileage Plus or My Coke Rewards or any loyalty program you've ever seen. Like, they want to make you as a consumer feel special. And then those four needs will be met no matter what. If you're homeless on the street, you will find a way to meet those four needs. Like, if I pulled out a gun and held it at your head, right, suddenly I've got your attention. Right. right? Put, it, put it away, though. Right, right, okay. Putting it away. <laughs> but certainty, right? You know, the thing is, you are certain that this is an intense situation. You are certain that, you, that, that, that you, I've got your attention. There's uncertainty. You don't know if I'm pulling the trigger or not, right? Right. There's a connection. You may not love it, but there's definitely a connection. We have a connection in this moment. I'm, and significance, I'm the most important person in your life at this moment when I'm holding that gun to your head, right? Yeah. So everybody will find a way, whether constructively or destructively, to meet those, those first four human needs. The last two come down to sort of growth. Number five, number five is growth, and number six is contribution. So growth really comes from the idea of now that I've met those first four human needs, I want to basically become a better person. I want to grow in a particular direction. So anything that's going to help me grow. And the last one is contribution, something greater than myself. So the idea of giving back or being able to start with a charity or foundation, things like this. Okay. We can talk about anything now. I'm going to go into whatever direction you want. You want to talk about social media. You want to talk about impulse purchase decisions, any product, any service, any of that stuff. Any of those pieces, I can break it down in terms of those six human needs and show you what that emotional connection is that will drive the purchase behavior. So okay. Where do you want to take it? Yeah. So I think that for the big boxers out there listening, probably where they're going to get the most value is understanding what they can do in either social media marketing, on their packaging to attract the most human needs. Really, you have just milliseconds. If somebody's walking down an That's aisle, right. they glance at a package, and I always tell them, so first thing you want to do is get them to pick it up. Mm-hmm. And then once they have it in their hand, what are you going to tell them? That's right. And then lastly, what's your pitch to get them to actually put it in their cart? 
and take it to the register. So, 100%. so, so the first thing you said though is you got to get their attention, right? The first thing you do is have to see it. So this is where the six human needs come in most valuable. So, okay. for example, um, you know, for a while, if you remember, Susan G. Komen was on every product package. Why was that? Right? You remember Susan G. Komen? Pulling out the heart strings, yeah. cancer. So you yeah. had the, the pink, you know, breast, you know, uh, uh, cancer sort of piece. And you had that on YoPlay yogurt. You had it on Cheerios boxes. It was everywhere, right? That was contribution. And the reason it caught your attention was is because... At that moment, the shoppers they were going after were those people who wanted to make a difference. And so if breast cancer awareness was important to you and you were keyed into Susan G. Komen, when you saw that logo on the packaging, you immediately went, oh, okay, these guys support Susan G. Komen, I should support them. That's the split second you're talking about. Okay. Now, will that carry a product that sucks? No. If so, someone will pick it up. But that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to put it in the cart. So you have to figure out what is that connection you're making. So is it enough just that you're giving money to Susan G. Komen? No. If you don't meet one of the other four human needs, contribution in and of itself will not carry the day. But people will look at things like, for example, is it fair trade? That's contribution, right? If I pick up a thing of coffee and I'm like, well, I could buy this Starbucks brand. I could buy this this, homegrown brand, whatever. Well, let me see which one basically is, is best to the farmers, right? There's a contribution there. So... When we're looking at that sort of stop in the shopping piece, and I stop you in your tracks, I want to understand what is it that I'm looking at. Certainty is for a lot of big brands. Like when I buy a package of Cool Ranch Doritos, I have certainty, right? I know that I love the product. I've had it a million times. It's my guilty pleasure. I know exactly what to expect. Any of the major brands, you know, Coke, Pepsi, whatever, they all have certainty going for them because they're big enough and they're established enough in order to say, I have absolute certainty when I buy this brand, I'm going to get what I want, right? Yeah. But if you're not one of the big brands, then you can't, then you're not going to fight fairly on certainty because you're never going to out certain some of the established brand that's been around for 50 years, right? So you have to be more creative. So what are you going to do? You could look at variety. Like, if you're tired of eating those same Doritos every single time, you know, we have a new flavor for you, right? So that's variety. Like, or if, you know, Coke and Pepsi, you know, you think it's boring, these cola wars, go try my drink. This is why we had so many fruit juices explode. People were looking at better for you options. You know, it was basically, I need a variety. I've been drinking Coke all my life, and now I want something different. Right? Okay. So you start to look at sort of how variety plays in. But there's other pieces and other ways to do this too, which is how do I make you feel significant? One of the reasons the way Coke came back was putting names on people's packages. Right. I right? remember that. Yep. That was for significance. Right? I would take a, 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 I would take a, a, a bottle of Coke that says Tim, and I would do a selfie and say, here's looking at you, Tim. Right? right. I'd send it, put it on social media, and then everybody would sort of share and exchange. I'm just giving you a couple examples because as we move the conversation to social media, every single one of these human needs can be played out, right? If you want to look at significance, it's how do you hold up your customer base and how do you use your product in some interesting way that makes them feel special. So that can be simple as having different messaging under the cap. You know, it's like when Snapple, when you pop the Snapple uh, bottle, it always had a fun fact, right? And that made me feel special because it was something that I, I was certain that it was there, but there was variety involved in terms of what that messaging was, but I also felt connected to the brand because when I read that, I would chuckle or laugh or share, right? And then sometimes it would do a promotion and then that would make me feel significant because I won something, right? So all of these things, you see like this reinforces that human behavior that we want in these brands. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you make me think of uh, how it would direct my mom's um, cereal purchase for me based on what little toy, what little, like, two-cent toy 
was in that um, that I just had to have. And it, you know, so I, it didn't matter what the cereal was. I just wanted the toy. And I can remember holding the box up and then bowing it yes. so that you could see all the way back to yes. the box and then pulling the toy out. Yes. I'm totally dating myself now. No, but I'm totally there. I, I did the same thing. Yeah. And that's the thing. In that case, you wanted certainty. It wasn't certainty in the product. It was certainty in the toy. Right. right? I have certainty that when I buy this box of Apple Jacks, which I don't even like, I know that I'm going to get this toy that I will love. You know? Right. Yeah, so so we're going to talk about uh, social media, but something came in, in my mind, and it's uh, subject lines for your email. Oh, perfect. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of what we do, what I do, what, what big boxers do, is we're pitching our product always through email first. That's sure. the only way it gets done these days. And so there's... A lot of people, somebody asked me in my talk yesterday yeah. about, you know, what, what do I put in my subject lines? Well, sometimes I put that, but I'm wondering, is there something that you could put in a subject line that will pull on one of the six human needs and get that buyer to recognize it out of a bunch of other emails? So that was my question. So who's the audience? It's the buyer. Right. And I want to get their attention to the uh, product they've never heard of, something that they want to, they want to see. For, like, give me, give me a context for I'm sending you an email. You're a buyer. Who am I and what am I trying to get you to do? Yeah. So you're a buyer. I'm a seller. Okay. Um, you probably get 150 to 200 emails Easily. a day. Yep. Of everybody trying to pitch you products, which I'm also trying to just get you to open my email, open my product, take a look at it, and respond back to me. Ultimately, I want you to respond. Okay. So here's my trick, and you actually mentioned it today. So I'm gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna feed back to you something you said in your speech yesterday, which I, which I totally do myself. I think it's brilliant, and everybody on your podcast should be doing. Which is don't send a, a generic subject line that's sort of like, hey, I'd love to meet with you on Thursday or whatever. Yep. Take the time to get to know that buyer and Facebook stalk them, LinkedIn stalk them, you know, find the common ground. That's one of the key points in your session yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Find the common ground. So what's the best subject line is not a subject line that will work for everybody. It's a subject line that will only work for you. So for example, you know, I find out, I'm going to totally make this up. I find out on LinkedIn that you love karate. Okay. I'm just making that up. I'm not saying you do, but I find on LinkedIn that you actually have a, you have a black belt. I'm like, oh my God. I'm a fourth-degree black belt, so I'm going to send an email to you as the, as the buyer and say, how would you like to break through you know, uh, this particular category like you broke the four boards last weekend, right? And you'd be like, what? what? And suddenly, I've got two things. I'm breaking through because it's like my product's going to deliver for you, and I'm tying it back to karate because you're in martial arts, and we've got a bond because now when we talk legitimately, I'm a fourth-degree black belt, you're a black belt, we can have a common conversation about that. Or I just decided I'm going to do an Ironman, and I find somebody who's run a marathon before. So I'm going to say 26.2 reasons to open this email. They're going to open it because they know that they know what the marathon is. And if you've never run a marathon, you don't know what 26.2 means, but it's right. a secret handshake. So if I give you 26.2 reasons to, to open this email, you're going to be like, okay, is this a marathon or is this a business? I don't know, but I'm going to check it out, right? You have to – the ultimate in subject line experts is BuzzFeed. If you want to know how to write an compelling subject line, I'll actually take one step further. further. BuzzFeed will give you some good ideas. Go to a website called Buzzumo, B-U-Z-Z-M-O, I think, Buzzumo. Okay. And what Buzzumo is, is they look at all of the articles that are crushing it as it pertains to any category. So whatever the category is of buying, what you can do is you can say, what are the most popular articles today, and what are those particular titles? And then figure out how can you create a subject line that maps that title. Why? Because it's been pre-tested and pre-vetted. If you can figure out that those types of strategies, you've done your research. The number one reason subject lines don't work is because everybody tries to do them in mass. 
If you try to send an email to 10,000 people and hoping to get response, you're just sort of throwing emails out there, it's not going to be effective. And right. No, I, yeah, I totally agree with that, and I get that. What human need are you feeling, though, when you break that common ground? So that human need is love and connection. Okay. So basically what I'm saying is I love you even when you're not just a buyer. So as a buyer, I'm bombarded every single day, 150 emails a day saying, buy my stuff. Sorry. And, and the fact of the matter is, right, when people are like, buy, 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 like, I get tired of that. It's, 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 it's actually repulsive because I look at this and say, look, guys, I understand that I'm in this position, but you're making it painful for me to work with you. Like, I don't want to work with you because you're annoying me. If I wanted this thing, I would seek you out. Don't call me. I'll call you. So you have a conflict here because yeah. on the one hand, you need to break through. On the other hand, you don't want to annoy. So the only way you're going to get this done is you have to use the law of attraction. And the laws of attraction have to start with something authentic that you know about that particular buyer. And if you don't know anything, do your homework. Hey, big boxers. Just a quick announcement from TLB Consulting. Are you looking to scale your business this year? Are you looking to get your products on the shelf of a retailer this year? Well, guess what? Booking a coaching call with me has never been easier. I know based on the past 10 years of working with clients that it can be difficult to be a solopreneur. It can be difficult to scale your business into territory that you've never been to. That's why I have opened up more slots this year than I've ever done before. One of my goals this year is to work with more clients, more solopreneurs, more big boxers looking to get their products into retail than ever before. I want to work directly with you and share my experiences over the last 25 years of getting products into retail. I want to share those experiences with you. I want to talk to you from a place of somebody who's been there and I want to help you get to where I've gone. Like I said, it's never been easier. All you have to do is go to tlbconsulting.com, click on consulting, and then choose the time or the bundle that you want and get it scheduled. Let's kick off 2020 with a bang. Let's get you the information that you need. I'm looking forward to meeting you. You got to find out. I had a guy um, uh, email me, wanted to do business with me, and his subject line was, I'm sorry I dented your car. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Right. And, and so I, but, I... But what happens? Oh, you got the email open, but then you're kind of pissed off that he used trickery to do that. Well, I immediately... Actually, I was surprised because I thought it was just a generic, um, like somebody had hit me with a spam message. Yeah, yeah. And so I was pleasantly surprised to find out that he actually was trying to do business with me, and it was a handwritten email about it. It wasn't just Tim in a subject line of a 1,000 people. But, yeah, there was a little bit of a... Uh. But he knew, when I talked to him later, he knew that there is a elation emotion that your car's not dented. Yes. And so... So now you take a meeting with me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Here's my problem. I had, I had, I've been tricked by another subject line, which was uh, reconfirming our meeting at 2 o'clock. 
And of course, I don't have a meeting at two o'clock. And so I'm like, what? Did I? And then you're thinking, like, did I screw up? Whatever. You right. click on it, and it's just a spam message. And you're like, you know, and then you put it in the spam filter. So I'm not a huge fan. You, will these subject matter lines get you to the open rate? Yes. But is that the ultimate uh, purveyor of success? I'm not a huge fan of tricking. You don't care about opens. Yeah. You care about conversions. Yeah. And so if I'm looking at conversions, my subject matter line is going to be completely tailored to our conversation. Like, here's why you want to get to know me. I have value beyond selling you product, and you have value beyond buying my product. So let's talk about this as human beings because that's how we want to do business together. Start there, and then you can build a relationship, just like any relationship. See, the problem with sales is everyone wants to get married before they even date. You know, and, and the pressure of all of us is we got to go sell, 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 sell. And so we jump to the conclusion. We're like, hey, you want to have sex with me? I'm like, whoa, I don't even know who you are yet. You know, it's like, let's, let's, easy, Bill. Yeah, exactly. Easy. Right? But that's how it is in sales. And so we want to stop and we're like, let's just date. I just want to, I want to get to know you. Let's go for coffee. Let's start there. Let's not even go for dinner. Let's just go for coffee. So what is that? We're going to go Dutch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and all, yeah, you pay for your own coffee. <laughs> does that help? Yeah, I think, I think it doesn't, you know. When you say that, um, I think it's just in the U.S. because I really have to, I really have to back the trolley up big time when I'm talking to somebody in Spain yeah. or when I'm talking to somebody in the U.K. because they never start with business. Right. It's always Tim. How are you? How's your family? family? Yeah. You know, how's the weather there? And it could go on. I kid you not for 20 minutes. That's right. Um, and then all of a sudden they'll go. Well, we should talk about, we should talk about, yeah. And then, but I got to let it go until, and here I am being this American going, come on, (laughs) right. That's 20 minutes, buddy. I could have had three more calls, but, um, but those relationships tend to last. I think, you know, once you, because like you said, you're beyond just the sales process. All of a sudden my daughter's an ice skater, your kids are this, we're talking that you have pets and whatever. And there's always something different to talk about before we get to business. So I so, agree. With so you. one of the things that a lot of your listeners probably look at is like, how do they get press? Right. I want to get some press. I want to get some free publicity. Like how do, if I'm going to launch a new product, what do I do? Right. And one of the biggest problems that most people who are writing articles, you know, and I do this because I write for Inc. I get pitched all the time is that everybody's basically talking about how awesome they are. Right? They're saying, you know, here's, my business. here's why my business is awesome, here's why you should write about me, here's why you should do all these things. Instead, the people that I actually respond to take the time to actually read my columns. They know what I write about. They know that I like to talk about marketing and technology. And so the ones that get through are the ones that are like, I have this research report I think your audience would appreciate. Like, that is interesting to me because, like, okay, what's the research report? And it turns out they talk about, like, the, how big data is really problematic in this interesting way. And they're like, based on this last article we wrote about big data, I thought you might be interested in this new survey that we just did. And here it is. And here's the information. And, by the way, we'll create an uh, infographic if that helps your article. I mean, value, 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 value. Right. I'm in. Right? Because they took the time to research it. So all I'm getting at is, is that whether it's sales, whether it's publicity, it's like how do you really understand the needs of your audience? and then leverage those needs to basically get what you want, you know? I do. I do. And I and I agree with you. Um, is there anything in the six human needs that refers to packaging that you would say? Sure. All of them. Here, the thing about packaging is every single one applies. When you have a solid brand, you want to put your brand front and center, right? Because that's certainty. We talked about Doritos, right? right? 
If you don't have a solid brand... Listen up, big boxers. This is you guys. That's right. (laughs) If you don't have a solid brand, then you need to come up with the other thing that your audience wants. So is it variety? You know, so it's like, how am I competing against the brand? If it's variety, then maybe you're pushing the flavor. Or maybe it's a color that's not the same color as the biggest ones in the block, right? It's how do you stand out different than say, look, if you're tired of this brand, you should try mine for these reasons. Okay. Or if it's a, if it's a, if it's a connection, it's like, it's, here's part of join our tribe. You know what I mean? Like part of, like, for example, um, Cliff Bars, right? When Cliff Bars came out, the reason that they were successful was because they had a great brand because they showed up. Every single time someone was doing a marathon or a 10K or a 5K and they just gave their product away and they kept refining and refining and they're like, well, you're one of us. So the idea of Cliff Bars was, hey, if you, you know, we're in this community together and it was a reinforcement that every time you went to a race, you saw Cliff Bars, right? And so every time you went to the supermarket, you're like, oh yeah, that, that represents me in some other way. So it wasn't the brand Cliff Bars that they were promoting. It was basically the packaging and the look and the feel that reassociated the feelings of running. Right? So what I'm getting at is each individual one, you can think about, well, what's the need that my audience has? So, um, for example, if I'm looking at significance, you know, and I'm thinking about this, like, how do I make you feel important? It's how do I make, how does this make you look? How do, you know, if it's a healthy product, you're going to feel better about yourself. If it's a price point, you know, it's like, is there something that you can go treat yourself for as an indulgence? You play with that psychology based on sort of where you think your customers' needs are the most. So if you, the more you understand your needs, your customers, the more you can play into that particular need. Okay. Does that make sense? It does. It does. So wrapping it up, let's go back to social media a little bit. And the reason I'm hounding on this is I just had this long conversation with a new client of ours. They sell a very generic product. And if we were to promote it on social and just promote the product, it would die very quick, weak death Mm -hmm. uh, in one week because nobody wants to see this product again and again and again. Mm -hmm. But this product, how you use it and the significance of it and the people that we can connect with it are where we're headed in social media. So we're not going to talk so much about the shelf, but we're going to talk about what the shelf represents, literacy. Um, Mm, You know, maybe it has a connection to... uh, uh, not Alzheimer's, but um, uh, kids with special needs yeah. and uh, special Olympics, that kind of stuff. It, well, but as it re- as it relates to reading, but we're going to mm. reach out to these different and kind of backdoor through that if you want to connect, and, and I think that's what you were talking about is is um, yeah, I really like it. they're connected with uh, autism was the word I was looking for. Yeah. They're connected with autism, and that's a really good cause. And so um, yeah, and I can see how they would like to put the books on the shelf and blah blah blah. Um, and so we're kind of backdooring to it. So but coming back to social media, um, how can you tailor just – and just real quickly, how can yeah. you tailor a couple posts or posts weekly that will touch a, a human need? Is there specific buzzwords that you can use or um, do you really have to be connecting yourself with some really great charitable organizations to hit that? Or No, what, what you do have to do is you have to – really well articulate the mission that you're on, right? People don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it, right? That's Simon Sinek's quote. And when you talk about the fact that if people believe in your mission, they're going to support you. So the content strategy, the social media strategy, needs to be about that mission and sort of different ways to play it up. So if what you're really truly about is autism and basically taking a chunk out of autism and you're really doing that, then everything you want to do is going to sort of reinforce that. Um, You know, uh, I think one of the interesting stories here is 
Records is the uh, a t-shirt company. Life is Life is Good. You know, mm-hmm. the t-shirt company. Mm-hmm. Life is Good. So they said, all right, you know, we think that the people, the, the cause we care about is children. So 10% of everything we make forever is going to go to needy children. Because how can you basically fight against that, right? But then they started doing all sorts of other things. They, they sort of spawned off, you know, happiness is, a, you know, something we want to focus on. We're delivering more happiness, things like that. So if you understand the why of the product and you really get sort of like, hey, there's a larger purpose here, then that's where the content strategy becomes very powerful because you can talk about all the variants of why you care about autism. You know, why should others care about autism? Like, what is it about autism that basically drives this thing through? And if that's where you've centered the focus of the product or that's the charitable contribution or whatever, it's a great way to sort of break through with anybody that cares about autism, right? You're now resonating at that core. Now, for the rest of the group that autism is not on the radar screen, what else? other benefits can you come up with? What are the other reasons besides autism that somebody wants to buy? The more you focus on the why, the more you're going to sort of break through. See, most people focus on the features and benefits, and that's important, but that's the logic, right? You need to create that emotional connection. So what's sure. the reason why somebody should basically buy this product? Yeah, like sales, sales 101, I used to teach this ages ago um, when I worked for Auric Vacuums, and everybody would always spout the features and benefits of the vacuum. You know, oh, it has 11,000 individually current. I can just, I can still yeah. uh, put it out there like I was doing it yesterday. Um, but what I would teach them is you're, most people can't make the connection of their issues yeah. that they have with the benefits of your product. You yes. have to connect those. Yes. So if you talk to the person genuinely and pull out their issues, then when you're preaching the features of the product, you tie one into each of their issues right. and they're going to buy from you. Right. Because human nature is if I walk out that door without making a purchase, in my mind I know that all my issues still exist. That's right. And, uh, and so I think that's kind of and what if you're... if product doesn't make it better, then why do I need to buy it in the first place? That's right. right. But if it does make it better, if it actually extinguishes it or takes it away, I kind of have to get it. That's right. Because I've already told you that these are issues. Um, well, so, yeah. so if somebody says to say, you know, the biggest problem in my house is I got a cat that sheds everywhere. You know, if you're talking about the power of your vacuum, no one cares about that. You're like, look, this vacuum is so powerful, it'll take all that extra hair off your couch. That's right. That's then, what I'm saying. Connection. Bill, you right. could have sold vacuums. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you get it. it. But right. actually, it's a difficult concept. And when I used to teach it, uh, people think that they do it, but they don't. Um, and so... Uh, you know, it's harder in social media to actually find out what people's issues are, but you can take general it's issues. Not. Oh, it's okay, not. sorry. But here's the thing. The beautiful thing about Facebook is is that we as Americans have lost the privacy war. It's, it's lost. We don't have it. It's not there. Right. So once you accept that fact, then you look at the fact that if I want to care, if I want to look at people who have cats, like, again, going to the vacuum cleaner, that, that, I've got a great message for basically getting cat hair off of couches, and I think this is the how I'm going to sell my vacuum cleaner. Well, that whole messaging archetype is going to be, I only want to send this Facebook ad to cat owners. And you can do that. All right, you can drill down and, and you get drill that. Down, yeah. Right? So then flip it around and say, well, I only want to sell this particular vacuum cleaner to people who have cleaning staff. Like, and so I want posts of people who are basically saying that they have, oh my God, the cleaning ladies are coming in today and I need to go out to my house. Great. Give them this vacuum cleaner and it'll make them 10 times more productive. You know what I mean? Like, there's, right. you can tailor your messages in social that it's very specific to the end point that you're going after. So my point is simply that you can just figure out how many people, if I were going to go after people with cats, what's that audience? Oh, Looks like it's fifty percent of the Facebook audience. That means billions of people. Okay, I guess that's enough. I mean, if you could count cat names, I mean, right. that's just so I mean. <laughs> different profiles. But you see what I'm saying? Like in social media, you don't have to be general. 
You don't have to basically go after everybody. You're looking at the more niche you go after, you and you can have 15 niches, right? Mm-hmm. But the point is, each niche is like, I'm only talking to you as a cat owner right now. I'm only talking to you because you have a cleaning staff and you want to make sure that they're doing a better job than they are today. I'm only talking to you, and then you basically pick off those messages and then earmark them for the people within the platform. And once you've done that, you feel like, wow, this person really understands me. They understand my pain. They understand my needs. Right. And now you've conveyed that emotional connection. And that's the full circle back to where we started. How do you create that emotional connection? Because when people buy an emotion, they'll backfill with logic. They still need all the facts about the vacuum cleaner, right. but they won't buy unless they know they have an emotional reason to buy it. Are you guys listening to that? I mean, Bill basically just dropped the mic, guys. So, <laughs> boom, it's gone. He's he's already gone. He's left. <laughs> no, so, um, wow, super good information. It, far beyond what I thought that we would talk about, but I think it's super important. These are things a lot of our listeners do their own social media. Yeah. They're struggling with engagement. They're struggling with connecting with people. They're struggling with, um, you know, geez, Tim, I, uh, I put Facebook post, uh, Facebook post out there and I get nothing back. Nobody talks to me. Nobody likes my post and it's super demoralizing. It is because most people are talking when they should be listening. That's the number one piece of advice I give. If someone came to you and told you that, I would flip it around and say, well, what is the problem that your customers need you to solve? And, and, I don't know. Right. Have you asked them? Have you asked anyone? Right. Because here's my thing. You'll notice if you follow me on Twitter at Bill Carmody, you'll see I periodically will post a question and say, guys, I'm thinking about my next bank article. Which of the four are most interesting to you? And they'll tell me, and then they'll be right in. So people respond back and say, none of them. Here's what I really want to know. And you know what? I love that. In fact, I seek out my haters. Honestly, those are the people that I care about the most because the opposite of love is not hate, but indifference. Right. Right? When people don't care about you, that's when I have a problem. Right? But if people are passionately saying, you're full of shit, you know, excuse my language, you know, that, that basically, I want to hear that because there's a reason, there's a passion behind it. And so tell me, how can I help you? What is it that I really want to know? So if you're posting social media posts and getting nothing from it, yeah. chances are you're not fulfilling any type of need that your customers actually have, and you're basically spamming them. So flip it around. How can I help? What is it you need from me? What can I do to support you? Like, What are the pain points you're going through? People will tell you. They'll tell you randomly, and you can also look for them through social media listening. Guys, you're going to school here. I mean, so stop pouting and uh, and, and stop being frustrated with social media. Um, Bill just uh, broke it down for you and put it back on on your shoulder. So um, definitely take those words. Go back and take a look at uh, what you're listening or are you listening. I think you were saying in your um, uh, in your thing yesterday, or I saw it somewhere else because I know I do this personally. Is yeah. most people don't listen, right? They're just waiting till you're done talking so I can respond to you. And yeah. I'm thinking about what I'm going to say instead of what you're actually saying. So, what are your customers wanting? What are they looking for? If you're not finding that information out, well, then you're probably just talking over their head or just talking at them. It's kind of I always use the. Uh, I don't know where I got this, but it sticks in my head all the time. I water my plants. You know, so some people just spray the plant. Yes. Yeah. How much water is that plant really getting? It's just getting sprayed with water rather right. than like dribbling it in. And, that's right. Um, and that's a lot of uh, social media talk. It's just spraying at you. And they're tools. This is a beautiful thing. Let's say that you didn't want to be able to go out there and just talk to your customer and say, hey, what is it? You could go out there and you could buy spy food for 30 bucks a month. S-P-Y-F-U, right? So spy food or Moz, M-O-Z.com, any of these tools will basically tell you what your audience wants to know. By basically putting in some keywords, it'll say, here are the things people are most interested in. And when you start to understand that, you're like building your content strategy around it. Whether or not you do paid search or the Facebook ads or whether just you're doing a content strategy, 
there's no excuse not to at least listen to what your customers need. And listening can come in different forms. Literally asking them, doing Google searches, using these tools, you know, like Bazumo or, or any of these guys. Like, the fact of the matter is, if you want to know, the information is there. Okay. Perfect. Cool. Sorry, right. I, we've gone long today. I apologize. Yeah, no. I mean, it's always good. I mean, as long as we're on a roll, I don't care how long it goes. I mean, as long as it's uh, good information. And, uh, you know, for those of you out there, um, I'll put an intro into this that says, hey, this is a good one for uh, your commute rather than, uh, yes. you know, while you're doing the dishes or something like that. So save it for right. your hour, uh, yeah, your 40 minute hour long ride. Now, I know we already talked about, uh, last time we talked, we already talked about, uh, you know, what you use. And you got me started on Tony Robbins. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, uh, you know how to plan and, and you know look at what you uh, the outcomes that yes. you want. And I went yes. home, maybe not that day, but the day after. And I think I must have watched like four hours of Tony Robbins on uh, online. And uh, and so uh, that's made a big difference in how I look at my week. And uh, you know, just trying to figure out what is I, what do I want the end of my week to look like? And it's it's been a big help because a lot of times at the end of the week I'm unsatisfied. Yes. Uh, I didn't, you know, maybe I didn't uh, accomplish, but the problem is, is I didn't know what I was trying to accomplish. And so even if you don't accomplish it in this kind of strategy, you know why, and you can make those adjustments. And uh, um, it's also helped me tailor my expectations for what I can get done in a week. Because when I figure out what I want at the end of the week, I'm like... That's a lot. Yes. I don't know if you're going to get there. Totally. Well, and the other thing, too, is we overestimate what we can accomplish in a, in a week, and we underestimate what we can accomplish in a month. Keep that in mind, right? You're going to think you can do all these things in a week, and you can't. And you're going to think you can't accomplish all these things in a month, and you absolutely can. So the difference is, is that when you look at your schedule and you say, God, I have too much going on this week – Parcel it out. Say, okay, this stuff can drop to next week. It's not that critical. I don't have to be have these things done by Friday. And sometimes you can just ask for permission. Like, hey, client, I know I said that I was going to promise you I was going to get to these by Friday. Is it okay if I send it to you on Monday? Nine out of ten times, like, I wasn't even going to look at it until Tuesday. Yeah, you're no problem. You know what I mean? So my point is, like, give yourself permission to spread it out a little bit. Because you're right. If you try to do it all, it's overwhelming. But the thing is, when you realize of all those tasks you've written down, there's probably only two or three that make absolute difference to the bottom line of your business. And when you look at those, like, make sure you do those first. Yeah, do that in the first two to three hours of your day, and then everything else is gravy. Yeah. Well, let's just make this a total um, uh, a total push for Tony Robbins across the board today. Yeah. So um, the whole outcome thing, what, what, what's that called? Um, I, I, the, yeah, know your outcomes? There's, it's, it's called um, RPM. So RPM, that's he's right. Got, he's got a training program called RPM, which is uh, basically it's, it's the, the three pieces. It's like what is the results that you want? Um, you know, what are the massive action plan you're going to take? You know, and then, uh, then the actual execution of that plan, right? So yeah. basically RPM. So that's his, that's his how to organize yourself piece. But here's what's beautiful. I just found this out on – so this you guys are the first to know this. this is breaking That's because, by the way, Bill was just talking, talking to Tony, Tony Robbins. Robbins. Right. And because of that, if you go to Spotify.com slash Tony, right, for okay. Tony, Tony Robbins is launching a whole business profile piece where when you sign up and to basically participate in this, it's a contest, right, where you're going to grow your business from most people make less than a million dollars a year. He's going to try to help people make over 50 million, right? So you're going to be part of this contest, and what they're going to do is just for signing up for free, right, you're going to be able to have access to uh, several hours of Tony Robbins content and um, uh, four-hour work week, uh, Tim Ferriss. Tim Ferriss, And five other of the top business gurus out there, they've all come together as part of this Spotify initiative 
initiative to help businesses grow geometrically. So my point is, do two things. If you do nothing else from this podcast, number one, buy Unshakable from uh, Tony Robbins, unshakable.com. It'll help your financial future. If you want to know how to retire rich, buy Unshakable. It's the simplest financial book out there in the marketplace. And number two, check out spotify.com slash Tony and see if you can't get access to all this amazing content for free. And whether or not you are able to generate you know, the kind of $50 million growth business that Tony wants you to see, you'll have access to the world's greatest insights and information around building that business and doing it over the next 90 months. Well, and what I was going to say is I, all I did when Bill told us that last time on, his, on the podcast, I just went home and I typed in Tony Robbins RPM and uh, there was over two hours of YouTube uh, videos free. free. People pay thousands of dollars because these are just clips from his seminars where yes. people are paying thousands of dollars yes. to Me, go to. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and really the whole RPM class entirely, the only thing I couldn't do was ask him a question. I mean, the whole thing was there for you. And, uh, and so that's pr- pretty much where I learned how to do it. Now, the contest thing, when's that starting? Now, just started. Like, so, just, so I don't know, I don't know if it's, I think it officially kicked off. He was just telling me that they just launched it. So my understanding is it either happened this week or last week, but it's, it's, it's happening right now. So okay, it's, perfect. Time is of the essence. <laughs> Excellent. Well, listen, Bill, as always, uh, super wonderful to, to talk to you. So great to meet you face to face and spend some time and, and get to know you. Uh, my computer keeps uh, interrupting, but no uh, um, uh, I'm looking forward to your, your thing later, your talk later, and, uh, and to uh, finish up the week. But uh, again, thanks so much. Thanks for having me on the podcast, Tim. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Bye. All right, big boxers. Bill Carmody has left the building. That's right. He's gone. But what he left behind was some unbelievable nuggets of information on how you can use the six human needs to really boost up your engagement on social media. I hope you were as engaged as I was, and I hope you learned as much as I did because I thought it was incredible. Bill, if you're out there, thanks so much for stopping by. And, hey, not to mention... How much information we got to learn about Tony Robbins and his new book, Bill, having just spoken to him, Tony Robbins, that is, prior to uh, sitting down with us and and having that interview. So really great time, a lot of great information. I hope that uh, you guys all enjoyed it. Hey, if you're liking the podcast, please share it on social media, share it with your friends, share it with your colleagues, let them know what's going on here and what we're doing. If you want to get a hold of us, if there's something that you would like us to talk about on the show, feel free to do that. You can reach us on Twitter at, at TLB Consult. You can reach us on Facebook at TLB Consulting. And as always, you can reach us out to us on email uh, through our website, tlbconsulting.com. Again, guys, terrific to be with you. Look forward to our next show. Until then, we look forward to seeing your products on the shelf. 